Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, and we are steamrolling season six like crazy. You guys have had some incredible guests so far this year. Uh, and as always, I keep aiming to bring you more amazing people, just like my guest today, the one and only Ross Tompkins. Now, Ross, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you very much for the invite, Adil. Oh, you're awesome. So just for everyone wondering, who is Ross Tompkins? Trust me, by the end of the show, you're going to be like, God, that guy's a badass, because that was my exact thought the first time I met him, because he is. Um, he's just brilliant. Super <laughs> loving, happy, good dude. I spoke, at his, I spoke at a mastermind for him a couple of months ago, back at the back end of 2019. Um, and immediately at the end of that, I was like, I got to get this guy on the show. We finally made it happen, and here we are. So it's absolutely amazing now my cat's going to be an asshole and just randomly be an asshole before we get into the show i just really want to shout out to our sponsor for this episode which is therapy direct hyphen uk so it's therapy direct dash for my american friends uk.com uh links as always will be in district will be in the description this is more towards uh while it does help more osteopaths and therapists and so on and so forth if you know anyone that's a therapist that's struggling with their business or if you are a therapist that's struggling with your business send them to Ross. The man's a fucking genius when it comes to this kind of market and he knows exactly what to do. With now me shutting up, I'm going to bring on my guest, Ross Tompkins, uh, who's been quietly sitting there patiently as I run through all this stuff. Uh, Ross, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show, my friend. My first question I got to ask, though, is how the hell did you get into the human body? Because I remember we had a discussion about this, but like, how did you get into the therapy of the human body and healing it? So I uh, I got into this business kind of by accident, I suppose. And I think like a lot of, a lot of kids at school, loved sport, um, loved football or soccer for your, uh, for your American listeners, um, played it every day. I was, I was okay at it. I, was, I wasn't ever going to be in the, in the Premier League. Um, I was pretty good at tennis as well and had a real love not only for sport, but how the body moved during sport. Mm-hmm. So actually, I, I thought probably my, my destiny was going to be more in coaching rather than, than playing tennis or football. But during my teens, I, I played an awful lot of sport and I actually ended up with quite bad knee pain. Now, I ended up going to the local hospital and having about three years' worth of physio. Now, after about three years, I remember the conversation with the physios. I was about 15. And they said, we don't really know what's wrong with your knees, but we think you're sincere. Uh, have you considered a career in sport might not be right for you? <laughs> and, and I genuinely hadn't. Um, but I, I looked around and thought, well, what, you know, what else am I going to do? But after three years of being you know, working closely with these guys and, and understanding the human body and how how important it is in sport and recreation, I ended up going down the physio route. So I chose my uh, next set of exams, my A-levels, and then university degree in order to, to pursue physiotherapy. That's incredible because that's actually similar to my story of how I wanted to be a physiotherapist, except for I left halfway through mine. Um, I, I actually, because my sport was Thai boxing. Yeah. So uh, I had damaged my bones so badly and broken so many of my own bones that I actually knew how to set and heal them by the time I was 15. Like, I already knew exactly how to burn out colds, cut weight, do all the other stuff. 
and I thought, hey, I can use this as a career. I'm going to be a therapist. Uh, I'm going to be a physiotherapist. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't actually get a chance to go finish off my uh, my degree. So that was a, a real sad, sucky thing. But it ended up paving the way for what I do today. So exactly. everything happens for a reason, I think. I'm a real big believer in that. So, the, the, you know, these things are sent to testers, triers. Most people get so focused on this problem that's in front of them, they never look at the opportunity that's right there. Uh, and it's led you to this amazing career, copywriting, podcasting, and it's led me to where I am today as well. Hells yeah. I mean, it's crazy exactly what happens and how we get to where we are. And it's incredible. To, and it's joyous to watch. Um, so one of my questions I really have for you specifically, because like a lot of entrepreneurs sit with terrible fucking posture. Let's be honest, we do. We have terrible posture. What is something that someone can actually start using right away? And the reason I ask this is, A, personally for myself, because I have hypermobility in my spine, so sitting down for long periods of time hurts. But B, it's actually one of the most popular questions I get asked every time I speak to entrepreneurs in the health space. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the biggest things. Like, okay, if we, can, if we could ask a physio, if we can ask someone that basically specializes in the body to fix and help our uh, correct our spinal columns and our seating posture, we'll feel better. Why a why do you think that is and b what can they do about it? Um, so so very very simply the the body is designed to move. Um, it's not designed to sit still for hours and hours and hours. It's not designed um, to not be moving around. So the best advice you can possibly uh, get is to is to move it. You know, don't sit for too long. Go for walking meetings. Meet your clients in the park rather than sitting for hours and hours and hours in coffee shops. Um, rather than sitting for extended periods of time on your keyboard typing away your next book or your next project use um dictation software so actually you know speak into your phone or into your computer and have the computer do all that work for you so you can actually be walking around the house you can be uh, walking along the beach and still being just as productive but in a much much better position agreed Agree, that would actually be very powerful. Is there any actual softwares that you'd recommend for dictation? Uh, there are tons and tons of them out there, but one that we use quite a lot is one called Dragon. Oh, Dragon, naturally speaking. Yep. So that's quite that's quite popular. Uh, a lot of our clients use that. That's pretty cool. See, I've tried to use Dragon, but it doesn't actually match my voice. It hears me speak and then messes up, and I've realized this. Um, I enunciate my words, but I don't enunciate them when I'm writing or verbalizing things. I, I apparently miss some things out, so I have to go back and listen to the dictation. I'm like, is that what I said? I think I said that. <laughs> I think they're getting better as well, a lot of the softwares. The, the NHS tri- trialed them a lot of years ago and really struggled because it couldn't pick up the different, um, the, the different uh, dialects and languages that we that we had um, but it's getting better now at finding all of those different uh, local not, they're not dialects are they what am i talking about um, um the medicine they're basically like what they are the words of the yeah the, diff- the different word the different uh, the different types of language yeah the different yes. words medical, medical abbreviations and things like that yes i, I still find it funny because like uh, it's, it's so interesting that whenever we get into a marketplace that we are a part of and we learn the abbreviations of we immediately assume everyone else knows what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like the amount of times I've had a conversation with someone and be like, no, it's just, you know, you add the CTA here. And they're like, what the hell's a CTA? 
Well, I'm like, oh, shit, sorry, yeah, call to action. Call to action, that's what we meant. And they're like, yeah. what the hell's a call to action? It's like, oh. Exactly. You, you use it so often, don't you? It just becomes a part of everyday life, and then you forget that everybody else doesn't use it as well. Oh, entirely. It's it's the craziest thing there is. Now, one of the things I really admire about how you actually run uh, everything that you do is you essentially you build businesses in, in a very unique way um, from what I've seen. I mean, obviously, I haven't sat down with you and actually gone through how you build businesses, but just you can tell by your sheer optimism of how things work that you're like, I'm going to build this into this other thing. Um, my curiosity is like, what was it in business that sparked your interest to get to where you are today? Because there are a lot of therapists, there are a lot of business owners and marketers out there. So everyone, uh, pay attention because you're about to learn some fucking great knowledge. How is it that A, you pick, you pick the market that you're going to go into and B, how do you actually uh, build so it's actually profitable to you? So I think the most important thing is you've got to choose an industry that you're passionate about. So I was, I was passionate about the human body. You know, it, even though I wasn't then a coach, physio made sense to me. I was, I was passionate about how we move, why we move, why injuries occur. And so regardless of the industry that you're in, I think it's really important that there has to be a really deep rooted passion for what you're doing, whether it's helping someone through copywriting, whether you're a coach, whether you're a therapist, whether you love manufacturing or property, it doesn't really matter, but you've really got to have a passion for it. Yeah. Growing a business then, for me, really comes down to, to people and, and relationships because we are all only one person. There, there's a finite amount of time that we all have and a finite amount of work that we're capable of producing. But if you surround yourselves with great people, ideally who are better than you at all of your weaknesses, you can start to create great things and you can create bigger and bigger businesses. And ultimately, that means we can help more people. I agree. I, I would actually agree with that massively. Because one of the things I found in the mastermind that I've really enjoyed is the fact that, well, I'm not the smartest in the room. Mm -hmm. and at times i am that's the part that like i'm like i i like the fact that when it comes to copywriting i'm like i i've got a pretty good handle on it but the application of what i do in different areas i'm not as versed in and that is such a lovely way of actually feeling because i feel like a beginner all over again um and i posted and by the way so you guys know uh it because it's the start of the experiment so by the time the show comes out i would have been doing it for about six months um or even four months rather is I started creating longer form posts on Facebook. I don't know if you've noticed this, like I've actually started to really apply like a longer form process, writing a little bit more vulnerably and kind of letting people know like the insides of the inner workings of my mind when I'm creating. And the insane thing is the response I've had is incredible. Excellent. Like I've legitimately picked up like four new clients off that first post I created just around the 60 minute sales letter thing. People, people buy from people they like and trust. You know, we, that's not a surprise. We all know that. Um, so however you can communicate that to build trust and rapport uh, is going to resonate and ultimately it will bring clients um, and team members to you. Agreed. Agreed. It, it's such a powerful way of doing things. Now, mm. I'm curious about like the modalities that you guys personally use. Do you guys use LinkedIn, Facebook, or any social networks to grow your business? Or is it all 
more offline old school methods to grow your business? Um, we actually did a little bit of a, a, a deep dive into the business, our main business recently, um, because I, I heard a fantastic analogy to, to businesses lately and, and it was linking it to football, to soccer. So it was, you know, you need to have a very balanced team. You can't have 11 strikers on the pitch because you're going to lose, you know, and, and, and equally you can't have 11 goalkeepers. So we went through to work out who our strikers were and, and where that work or where those goals were coming from. Mm-hmm. And LinkedIn figured really, really highly um, in there, as well as uh, networking face-to-face word of mouth referrals they were they were our two most powerful forms of business development that we've, that we've done over the last 13 years wow okay so like what specifically with like offline methods of work for you guys i know like face-to-face obviously has worked but specifically in what way because i know we have referrals but how is it you're getting the referrals so in our, so our, our main business is, is actually occupational health. So we help large organizations to keep a healthy, happy workforce. Um, most of that work, when it goes over a certain value, it all goes through procurement. So you have to go through the tender process. But when, when you look at everything up to that level, which can be up to around about sort of 50,000 a year, um, all of that has come through actual relationship building. So it's been what I like to call outdoor meetings, uh, playing golf with people, going for walks with the dog, uh, building that trust and relationship where they've got absolute trust that you're going to do the best for their business. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that because it's one of the things that you don't really see anymore is people actually having those conversations um, in, in an environment that isn't just a business boardroom. I, I agree with you. Whenever, like, if I could have it my way, which is what I'm gearing towards, I would love every one of my clients before they become my clients. Like the interview process is, you have to come to the gym and you have to roll with me for thirty minutes. Yeah, we have to do jujitsu for thirty minutes before I can actually have you as my client. Brilliant. It, it it makes such a big difference, you know. And when you're when you're out of the corporate world, when you're climbing a mountain, walking the dog, playing golf, you really get to know someone. You get to see how they react in a difficult situation. Maybe they've played a bad shot. Maybe they're on the edge of a you know, a ledge or high on the hill. Uh, you get to see a different side to someone when they're not in a very safe boardroom or in their own office. Uh, and it's a really great way to, to get to know them and see whether you actually really want to do business with this person. Agreed. I mean, it's one of the things that I really enjoy about um, the reason why I say jujitsu is because there's there's an old rule, which is uh, you can't you can't lie on the mat. Like the mat will reveal your truth, uh-huh. because um, the thing is, and this is something I've found that's true time and time again. And I'll give you guys people out there that are listening like, oh, how so? Because it, it's actually a very interesting concept. And when I was taught this, I thought it was bullshit. But as I've gotten older, I've realized it's true. And the reason is simple. If I'm on the mats with you and I put you in a very, very, very pre- like precarious position where I've got you, I've, what you know for a fact, I can, either, I can either choke you out or you have zero control over me. I have full control over your uh, faculties and you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. That right there will reveal so much about you to me because the thing is, are you going to stay relaxed, focused and poised? And find a way out and then go, you know what? I can't get out. I'm going to accept this. I'll tap and I'll start again. 
Are you yeah. going to be one of those people? Are you going to bide your time? Or are you going to, and I hate this term because it's a jujitsu thing, but essentially known as spazzing out, which is where you hold your breath and you go 1 million percent, like, I'm going to crush you. And like, you really like, you get very, you're not controlled. You become, you become a berserker. Right. Um, and if you're that type of person, it tells me so much about you. Because if you're that type of person in that situation, what are you going to be like when the ad campaign goes wrong? Yeah. What are you going to be like when there's a delay in service? What are you going to be like when your server gets hacked? What are you going to be like when my server gets hacked? And I have to spend the next three weeks every day and night rewriting like well over six different funnel campaigns from scratch. How are you going to react to that? Are you going to be my friend or are you going to be a complete asshole to me? And yeah. now I'll know. So I agree. Like it reveals so much about you. Plus the good thing with jujitsu, at least for me, is um, once I've tapped you out or once you've tapped me out, we've got like a, a very good understanding to kind of go ahead and say like, I know where you are now. Because you almost know, like, almost immediately at that point, you're like, I know how strong you are, I know what you're looking for, I know what your mindset is, I know how I can work with you. Plus, it relaxes you, puts you in a great mood afterwards. A hundred percent, yeah. Uh, that, I think the, your jiu-jitsu language may need a bit of updating, but... <laughs> oh, I agree. I really dislike that word, but it's yeah. genuinely the way that it's, like, known as. I, personally, uh-huh. for me, I say it's like someone muscling out. Um, yeah. I really dislike that term, but it, it's it's for the jujitsu people out there. You guys know what I mean, and I hate using it, but I say <laughs> that with with very. I don't use it very often, which I'm very grateful. I don't have clients or customers that basically do. Anyway, that is that because said, is that because they all just tap out? No, God, I tap out more than they do. I like, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm like the king of easy tap outs in the gym because I'm like, if you got me, you got me. If you don't, you don't. Like if it's a position I know yeah, I can defend yeah. for ages, I'll hold out. Um, and then I'll make you tithe and then I'll come back out. Basically known as cooking someone, which is... Oh, really? Yeah. So if you hold someone in a certain position where they have to use all their strength to get out, but you're just using minimal strength to hold them, that's known as cooking someone. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because they're they're burning themselves out. It's more tactical then than I I thought. Oh, yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is a game of chess. It is wow. such a, it, it's a game of human chess because um, I think Joe Rogan says it best. Uh, jiu-jitsu is pretty much you face your death every single time. Like tapping out is you killed me. Because if you don't tap out, they could kill you. Imagine yeah. someone has like a stranglehold on you and you don't tap out. And they yeah. keep that stranglehold on. You're going to die. Yeah, I don't feel about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a sport, but damn, it's, it, it's a very strong indicator of how you live your life but it is it's very tactical and it's interesting when you see like people and how they play because for me it's it's a game yeah it's 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 a very interesting thing but i was going to say with that kind of sense how do you keep your mindset so calm because you are like one of the most mellowest people i've met um i i guess i've I've always been like this i think i was probably born this way to a degree but um, I found, I guess, personal development and been working on myself as well for the last probably 15 years or so. So I love learning. I don't think we'll ever, ever be the finished article. So I, I rarely read fictional books anymore. Now now they're all sort of um, mindset, business, personal development. And in every one of them, you learn, you learn a little something. You learn a little more about yourself. It uh, helps you deal with different situations I guess that you come across in everyday life and I'm a really big believer that we can never control our environment 100% but you can always control how you react 
and and that's kind of how I live my life really that I actually agree with and that's thankfully letting me know now so I can change my question later on the show so I don't ask you a dumb question then. <laughs> <laughs> so is that is it just like 100% you don't read fiction at all anymore is it because it was a choice that like you have x amount of hours in a day that you can read and you're like I'd rather spend that time reading something that nurtures me something versus that distracts me yeah I, I mean I, I guess like um like like most people you know I went I went through a, a big phase of of loving the distraction so whether that was going out you know in, in, in my 20s uh, then it would be reading um fictional books I love fantasy books anything with dragons in it and, and what have you um and then I kind of realized that whilst that was enjoyable and that it was a great escapism for a while it wasn't really helping me it wasn't pushing me forward it wasn't helping me realize my goals and my vision so now I, I, I leverage as much time as I can so if I'm in the car if I'm in the gym if I'm going for a walk I tend to be listening to something that helps me move towards my end goal which is ultimately to be the best version of me that I can be rather than something that's pure escapism that makes sense so what are you currently listening to um, at the moment i am listening to i've Ooh. just forgotten um bear with me one minute because i've li i've just started it and the other day and actually it, the, the first the first chapter really sort of captivated me um it's to do with stillness um or zen and that that moment or of clarity or peace that pretty much every religion in the world talks about um there's a whole book on it stillness is the key by ryan holiday Ooh, you'll have to let me know if that's any good it's on my it's on my reading list for december i yeah i love that there was something in the very first chapter and it said stillness aims the archer's arrow and it resonated with me something fierce i was like that is so true and actually it's true in every part of our life that when you've got that inner quiet that 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 peaceful zen or whatever you want to call it it's so much easier to aim your arrow it's so much easier to be clear about what the next decision is you need to make um about the next chapter in your life or the next decision you need to make during the day i agree that that is actually one of the most powerful things that you can actually do. Yeah, I, 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 I it, like I say, it really resonated. It was, um, I thought, yeah, I'm going to like this book. So, but I'm just just at the start of it. That's actually, yeah, because like Ryan's one of my favorite um, authors, just straight up. Like uh, the Daily Stoic is such an apt book. It's really yeah. strange that on days that I need to read it, like I need some guidance for this day. I'll open it to the page and the day that that guidance is on and be like, how the hell do you know this is so apt to my situation right now? Yeah. It's, it's an incredible book. So my question, uh, my question off the back end of this, because a lot of people go through like different states in business. I'm sure you've had it as well. I'm sure everyone else has. And it's this idea that whenever we're actually working towards a goal, we almost feel like we're in, um, I, I find that you're in one of three situations. You're in the, okay, I've got to really focus down and get really active and really hyperactive and go a million percent ball to the wall until I get myself out of the situation. That's one. Two is uh, I feel so depressed I can't do anything because I'm actually completely stagnant and I can't really move and I don't know what to do because my brain's full of fog. Or three, you're like in this very weird sense of 
I'm happy and okay. I will live my life as if I was going to be, ex uh, I'm going to be okay and be okay. Um, and there is a hidden fourth one, which is I just want to spend all the money that I don't have right now to make myself feel better. But we're not <laughs> going to touch on that one as much as anymore because it's, uh, you know, December people will always go ahead and uh, they'll want to spend more around this time of year. So my curiosity for you at least has been, how have you managed to actually deal with those states? And more importantly, what is it like for you coaching someone that's going through those states? So for me, I would say I'm pretty much always in that first state. Um, and I, I'm in a, a, a well, what I've realized over the years is that I'm a, a pretty good leader, but I'm not a very good manager. And for me, after that first really exciting chase, the growing the business, the getting new clients, after that first bit is done, um, the best thing I can do for, for the business is hand that on to someone then loves the day-to-day -day, um, working because that bit would that would take me into that bit where I'm just then existing every day, going through the motions, kind of as you mentioned before. Um, now, having a team, though, growing a team who are better than me at the things I'm not very good at, including day-to-day -day management, means I can keep going. I can keep looking to help more people. I can keep, look, keep looking to grow our business, to acquire more businesses, to help more, help more therapists um, all around the world. Um, so I can keep working on the exciting bits, if you like, and then I can hand on the bits that I'm not as good at to people that are much better at the management. That's actually a really smart way of doing it. So if you're actually going to find someone that, how do you, sorry, better phrase this correctly. How do you actually find people to delegate these tasks to? Because that is something that, again, I've actually gone through the process of trying to find people that can delegate those tasks to. And it's that weird initial that you have to deal with the bull crap that comes with it at the initial until they've basically figured out how to work together. But how do you find those people that are actually going to stay with you? and actually mm. going to be able to work with you long term? That is a, an amazing question and one I honestly don't know the answer to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I guess like all businesses, you know, we not everyone has stayed with us uh, over, over the years. Most people do, I'm really pleased to say, but it's not always um, right. Uh, we tend to hire people based on personality rather than on anything else. So we think it's going to be a good fit. But it doesn't always work out, uh, as you can imagine. Um, but yeah, for us, it's kind of personality, culture that that teaches you a lot, rather than the uh, the actual professional qualifications that they've got, if you like, or the or the history. It's more to do with are they going to fit in the team? What can they bring to the team? Where everyone is healthy, happy at work, and pulling together. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can see that it's it's definitely one of those things where I personally need to do more of uh, because I do know it, it's one of those very strange things where I definitely know myself well enough that uh, I know where, where, where my weaknesses are and I need to start filling those gaps ASAP. It, it's um, an absolutely it, it's such a valuable thing to do for all business owners because it's it's very easy as well, especially when we're early in our in our careers that we think we're we're great at everything you know we, we think yeah. that we're the, the the striker we're the goal scorer uh, we're the midfielder we're the defender we, we can do the whole thing and actually we can't 
and recognizing where your strengths are is hugely beneficial and you might not be the striker you know you might not be that person that has to go out and get all the business but you might be amazing at making sure the day-to-day running is okay or you could be an absolutely phenomenal goalkeeper you know and your defending is is perfect so it doesn't matter where where your strength lies it just it's recognizing that you have one working on that and then finding people to fill in all the gaps that's great that's that's how you can build a business a successful one yeah i think that's actually a very very powerful way of looking at it um just yeah it really is so that's like profoundly hit me a little bit harder than I thought it would, and it's actually incredible. So everyone tune in to my weird profoundness of this one moment. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I love this show is because I get profound moments. Now, one of the things I definitely did find that's specifically interesting, especially for my younger entrepreneurs that are listen to the, listening to this, because I saw, I've basically been in business for myself since I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I, I remember speaking to a friend. I've had maybe five jobs in my entire life. And three of them, four of them were in retail. Yeah. So I have a very distinct hatred for the retail space. <laughs> but it's a love-hate relationship. I love it so I understand both sides. So whenever I'm shopping, I'm trying to, I, I'm always courteous to people. I'm courteous regardless, but like specifically, because I'm like, I feel your pain, brother and sister. I feel your pain. I know exactly what's going on. But one of the thought processes I have for the younger entrepreneurs is I I could be wrong to say this, but I'd love your opinion on this. Up until I was in my late 20s, because I just turned 30, business seemed more like fun. Like anything was possible and it's incredible. But after 30, it's still fun, but I'm weirdly more focused on the small aspects that I enjoy and let all the other stuff go to other people. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's very, very strange as a feeling. I mean, did you discover this as well once you actually went past a certain, a certain threshold in business or just a certain age? Um, it was it was definitely more to do with the size of the business. And uh, and it all comes back to that strengths and weaknesses again for me. And, and I actually remember it was a very powerful coaching conversation I had with someone a few years ago. And they said, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well... I want to grow the business and, and actually I feel like I want to clone myself because you know, I've grown to this this level, we're doing okay, but I know we want to do more, I know we can help more people. And the guy said, if you cloned yourself, you would double your weaknesses as well as your strengths. You would be twice as busy, twice as stressed, you'd have twice as many problems and you probably wouldn't have twice as much money. And I was like, wow, I yes. had not even considered that for a moment because i was in that very much you know growth phase everything's brilliant i can do everything you know we're we're growing and and that was a turning point really in in our business where i said well what should i do and he said write down a list of all your weaknesses and go and get people who are better than you all of those things Uh, which kind of then led me on to the whole idea of if you are the smartest person in the room you need a different room um, you know, you want to be learning, and you mentioned about masterminds earlier. You know, I'm a big fan of masterminds. Uh, we're in the same one, and I'm in another couple as well. Um, and and I love that. I love the fact that there are people in there who are better than you at certain things, and you're better than them at other things. And it's a collaborative, collective IQ 
that then comes together to fix things. It's really powerful. Yeah, massively. I mean, like as an idea, just to give you guys one of the craziest things was I spent two years trying to figure out what to call my consulting package. What did it take Nick? Like a minute to like, I told him what it was and he was like 60 minute sales letter. And like the entire room by show of hands, like, yep, totally buying that. And yeah. I was like, I think before I even left the room, I bought the domain. I, I literally sat next to you buying the domain. I was like, screw it. I was going to buy this domain now. <laughs> um, so 60minsalesletter.com is now a thing. Um, and by the way, I actually came up with a brilliant campaign for it. I'd love your opinion on this. So guys listening to this right now, feel free to use it if you want. It's it's really simple for the thing that I did. Um, it's basically sending a long postcard. So it's like... Um, about three inches by a three by nine inch postcard. Mm -hmm. um, and all it says on the front of it in gold writing is, uh, do you want your next sales letter to be written in 60 minutes? And then it says turn over. And on the back it has, it's split into three sections. One is a testimonial. One isn't about who I am. And the third is how they can get in touch with me. So it's just something as simple as that. And we're testing that out right now. Uh, we've got our first test going out in January, on January 15th. Um, okay. Yeah, just to see what the response will be. Is it a, is it a long postcard because it's it's disruptive? It's something that will be like, hang on a minute, why is that that shape? Yeah. Yeah. It's I specifically guess. set that way because I wanted it to be like a place card, like a name card at a, 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 like a fancy dinner where it's a long triangular thing. I was like... I like this. It would be something quirky that they can actually get. Plus, it looks like a ticket. Like, imagine if you got, like, a, a theme park ticket, quite a long yep. theme park ticket. It just looks like one of those. And I was like, I'm inspired to do this. I'm going to run with it and see what... And I usually, I don't like gold as a color, but I actually went for a gold coloring with this one that's Im embedded into it. So it's yeah. embossed. It's lovely. I, I like the idea of using the postal service. Um, I really do, because the whole world has flipped, hasn't it? And, yeah. and years ago, we used to get inundated with things that would drop through our front door. Yeah. And that then pretty much has stopped. And now we get, you know, spammed and hit with a, what is it? What is the average? The average person gets 150 emails a day. day. Yeah. Um, so now when something drops through your letterbox, you're like, ooh, what's this? Someone's actually sent me a letter or a postcard. So I, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's it's just an easy way to get around. Plus, the people that I'm sending it to for the targeting are like people I already want to work with. Like, I've yeah. just got their business address. Just send it to them, and it doesn't need to be a huge thing because like anyone can read that either side of that, and they'll be like, "There's not a lot of information here. There's just enough information to pique my interest." Because that's my end goal: is I want your interest. So you go and actually go to the website and book a call with me. Like you go to the website, you read the letter, you're like, "Oh." Okay, so he knows what he's doing. Great. Yeah. And yeah, 100%. It's just a fun way of uh, of doing things, really. So I'm curious about this because like, you read a lot as, as much as I do. In, when it comes down to self-development, there's, of course, new modalities and technologies of how we do things all the time. Like, for instance, you have the people that completely 100% believe in NLP. You have other people that are on the... Uh, emotional freedom technique side where they tap themselves repeatedly my curiosity is what is it that you do for your self-care that actually allows you to still work at a high rate without burning out outside so, of having a team yeah so f for me it, it it comes down to goal setting 
and and and, my, and the daily practices that surround that. So so I start every day very deliberately. Um, I get up. I don't check my emails or do anything on social media until I've sat down. And I ha- I still have a written diary that I, I believe really powerful. It is really powerful, and I have two sections in there. So the right hand side, I have everything that I need to accomplish that day. And within that, I'll have my top five tasks that I know if I get those done, then it's going to be a good day. And if I get to the rest, that's great. Um, If anything comes up during the day that I can complete in less than 120 seconds, I'll do it immediately. If it's going to take longer, I add it to the list. And on the top left-hand side, I have, I have a separate um, separate section, and that's my um, non-negotiables. They're the things that are in there every single day that I know if I do that, it's helping me towards my goals. It's helping me keep healthy uh, and happy. So I have in there exercise. I've got diet written in, just as little cues that, that inspire me every day to make those good decisions. And then I finish my day very deliberately as well. So I finish the day by looking back at that list and appreciating what I've completed. Um, the, the, the main tasks are all done. And then I can close the day knowing that on an evening I can just relax, not worry about anything that happened during the day and start again the next day. See, that's very powerful. I like that because I do not have that at all. It, um, ten- it tends to stop me from drifting off into other things so you know so if, if something comes in and someone's all uh, someone gets worried perhaps in the business oh my god this has happened I'm like do you know what it's okay we'll add it to the list if it needs to go on the list but actually is it more important than what what we've got on so far uh, if it can be done quickly do it straight away if not then then it has to it has to go on the list um so you tend not to get distracted which can cause i think a lot of stress and and confusion for 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 all of us um and because i've got the the main things on there you know and they're in there every single day it tends to keep me quite motivated and the day's quite quite similar in terms of what i'm trying to achieve as well which for me works and helps keep me quite level-headed that's powerful and i'm curious about all of this because uh, i actually tend to use my ipad more for note-taking just simply because i find it's easier for me to take as many notes as I do. Um, and I do miss the, I do miss having a notepad in general, but like, do you believe that actually has an effect on the human brain? If we use say a digital writing piece software, like either an iPad or a remarkable tablet versus good old pen and pad. I think, I do think there's a link there without a doubt between you know the actual act of writing something down uh, and then seeing it there on paper, for, for me, one of the really big differences between writing it in my in my notebook and writing it into a piece of technology onto an iPad is as soon as the screen goes black, and I, and I get that you could turn it off, as soon as it goes black, it then fades out of my mind, and I know I don't think, okay, I've got four more left to go on my top five. I would then just get distracted and move on. But because my diary is with me all of the time and it doesn't change color, it's always there. It's, it's, it's omnipresent, if you like, that throughout my day. It keeps me focused. Um, I actually had a really, had a really interesting conversation with, with, with a junior member of staff many years ago now. And he, he really struggled with, with planning his day. And I would say, I said, look, 
um, Mr. We'll call him Joe. And we said, look, Joe, why don't you try writing it down in your diary, in a paper diary? Because I find it really helps me. And he looked at me for a moment and then said, yeah, there were some old people on my university course as well, and they couldn't use technology. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're not listening. (laughs) He he, he actually didn't stay with us very long. (laughs) I'm not surprised. I mean, that is... It's one of the things I brought up when we were at Mastermind, and it's something that uh, I'm just going to put this out there because I do know there are people listening in for copy specifically as well. One of the things that I find that's really powerful is you, if you're going to learn how to write copy, and I really dislike the word learn anyway, but in this case I'm going to use it. If you're going to understand how to create and craft words into a business sense, um, into something that's influential, you got to and i mean absolutely got to you've got to start writing everything out by hand um at the very beginning and the reason is quite simple when you start writing things out by hand it actually fundamentally changes the way you think because it's an etching an actual drawing into the back of your head for you to remember and this is something i do want to study specifically uh the effects of say an ipad using notability versus using a notepad and a pen because so far I feel like I'm about 10% difference. It's not a huge difference yet, mm-hmm. but I want to see over time if it noticeably becomes a drastic difference or if they slowly come together where it's side by side that I'm able to use my notepad and my iPad. And the reason I say this is, um, and the reason I don't like using a notepad so much is because I think I spent 500 pounds in a single year on notepads alone. Yeah. And my brain was like, that's a lot, and I don't have it all ready at hand whenever I need it. It's it's stored in somewhere. I've got to go hunt through for this one piece of note that I wrote down that is relevant to something I'm thinking about today. Versus my iPad, I can just quickly search through and I, it's there. Very very true. I think one one of the, one of the uh, things that or why it works for me as well, I think, is when I write, I tend to write quite slowly and deliberately. Um, so my my brain is actually processing the words at the same speed as I'm writing them down. So it makes quite a strong, strong, powerful um, connection there. And it, it kind of goes in. Whereas if I'm typing, I type them really fast, I'm almost having three or four simultaneous thoughts. Um, so it, it tend, I tend to get a bit distracted, carried away again there. Whereas like I say, when I write it down, I'm writing and thinking it at the same speed. So I can therefore formulate an opinion as I'm going along. It just seems to it just seems to go in. It just seems to stay there. That actually makes complete sense, and I actually love that. I, I love that process, and I I agree with you because I actually do have that. Whenever sometimes I'm typing and it's creepy as fuck, I will put that out there. Uh, I have this thing where I like to look out the window, or I like to look at things when I'm write, when I'm writing, because. Um, and it's got it's got me in trouble in coffee shops. Like the amount of times I've actually been staring out of a window or staring in a direction because I'm completely not present in that where my visual is. I'm mentally present with what my work is, but I can't look at my screen as I'm typing because yeah. I'll start editing and I don't want to do that. The amount of times I've had women come over or guys come over and go, "What's your problem? Why are you staring at me?" I'm like, "I'm honestly writing. I have no idea who you are." <laughs> And they realize fairly quickly, like, oh, this person's just legit doing their own thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah sorry. But sometimes I turn around to those people like, hey, while I have you, do you mind if I read this to you and see what happens? 
amazing um, the way the, the, the brain works. It's fascinating. Oh, massively. It's such a beautiful, weird creation of its own, of its ridiculous evolution. Like, I, yeah. I can't, I, I cannot, um, what's it called? I can't fully put to words the, the incredibleness of a brain when it's in a certain state. No, the, the, the incredibleness of, of, of everything. And this kind of, again, one of the reasons why I, I got into into the health kind of profession, really. Like, if you ever sit for a moment and contemplate any part of the body and try and work out how that even came into being. So, for instance, why did an eye become an eye? Like, you can think, I can think about that for days. Like, how, how did that evolve? Like, how, at what point did something think, do you know what? It'd be really handy if we had a cluster of cells that responded to light in a certain way and meant that we could see something in front of us. Like, when sight wasn't even a thing. Like, wow. Like it, it boggles my mind. Oh, yeah. When you start really thinking about it, it's crazy what the, the human body body is uh, not just capable of doing but has done like the, the eyes is a perfect example the other one would be um oh god this is a new mutation they're actually working on about sleep i don't know if you've heard of the short sleep gene no it's a new mutation they're looking at where some humans can only sleep up to six hours because they sleep over it actually is detrimental to the nervous system and their body. So they, their happy point is between four and six hours. And I know this because I'm one of those people. If I sleep more than six hours a night, I feel terrible. My whole day's wasted the next day. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's good and bad. The bad side is sometimes you get into a sleep, uh, sleep debt for a few days and then that can actually mess with you if you don't sleep the appropriate amount of hours. Um, right. So you've got, to, you've got to be very wary of how you keep your journaling for that sleep process. But that's one. And the other one that's like mind-bogglingly incredible because I do go on these weird journeys where I sit down for hours and think about how my body works and my brain works and all the other amazing abnormalities we have is the idea of how our feet are um, central to so many parts of our body but simultaneously also really just how they develop for balance, but not just balance in your physical sense. It's also in your emotional sense. Because if you get a really good foot rub, it can actually change the way that you actually poop in a good way. Like if you have constipation. You yeah, if you have constipation, your feet can actually help you relieve that as well. Reflexology. I think a lot of people use reflexology to help them. Yeah. It's I not mean, something I know a lot about, but I do know that it gives a lot of people relief. It's one of those very strange things where I was like, no, this is bullshit. And then it happened to me and I did it. I was like, okay, it's not so much bullshit now. This is kind of interesting. <laughs> I think I think there are, there are an awful lot of things out there that we don't yet understand. Um, and then lots of people will say you know, acupuncture, reflexology, Reiki, crystal healing, you know, all sorts of things. I'll just say, no, it's rubbish because there is no ref there's no evidence to back it up however it might just be we're not looking in the right place yet and there could be evidence out there we just haven't quite discovered it so i'm very careful to, to I, I rarely say that something doesn't work i'll just say i don't know what the rationale is behind that give it a try it tends to be my response well that's always the case and it's different strokes for different folks i mean it's not like 
there's 7.5 billion humans on this planet. We weren't all, we don't all have the exact same way of seeing things. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, one of my friends. Unfortunately, she's going through a uh, a multitude of different emotional feelings right now, as well as um, not emotional things, but also like her body's changing in certain ways. So many things she's tried that are traditional, nothing has come up so far. And mm-hmm. the thing that worked was one of the weirdest, outlandish things you could ever imagine. And I was like, "Wow, okay, so that worked for you." And it was uh, acupuncture, but specifically acupuncture on nowhere near where the pain is yeah yeah it was like a complete weird release in in her shoulder that let the rest of her completely be okay yeah the the meridians that you use with acupuncture you know crisscross the whole body and often you won't you you won't put the point in you have local points which are where the pain is you then have distal points so they're points further away that are still influential and then you have central points, which are points within the spine that influence that part of the body. And in West, Western medical acupuncture, they're the three types of points you have. In traditional Chinese acupuncture, you have different kinds of points again. Yeah. I mean, it was just, for me, it was mind-blowing because it was a case of like, wait, your leg, like this part of your knee is killing you, but we worked on your shoulder and now it's okay? Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just understanding those different things. And I love the fact that you are open-minded in the way that you see things because there are some medical practitioners and there are some therapists out there who are very much like, no, my way is the only way. There are lots, lots and lots, yes. <laughs> so it's always brilliant. So one of my favorite one of my favorite questions to ask on the show, Ross, I know that you said that you don't do fiction reading, but do you still watch movies? Yeah, I do actually, yeah. And I, giant and I was, Marvel uh, nerd. Yeah, as I as I was saying, I don't listen to, I don't read books anymore. I was thinking, yeah, but I do love Marvel movies. Um, we we talked about that before, but yeah, yep. I'm a huge fan of yeah comic book movies. Oh, they're brilliantly well done. So my question for you right now, it's one of my favorite. So it's it's there's two questions here, but like um, we'll start with this one because it's easier. If you had to pick three movies that you recommend everyone entrepreneurial should watch, what three would they be? Oh wow! And, and why? movies. Um, and yes, comic books do count, but I'm just yeah. I've never thought about it from an entrepreneurial business angle, but I would say my top movies, nothing to do with the business side, but uh, are Guardians of the Galaxy, Epic, The End Game, but then not then and then a total um, wild card non non um non-marvel movie would be the shawshank redemption which i just loved uh, and every time i watch it i still think it's great that i guess shows ingenuity does that count <laughs> that does for me it was one of those things i absolutely love so i'll actually go and say uh for me i tend to watch movies and read fiction books more because i love the stories behind them and then i see how i can use them in my business that's how okay. i tend to do it but the shawshank redemption has like a very weird spot in my heart right now because that movie did not go well at the box office, but it's become such a cult hit, it's incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah, it completely bombed at the box office. It was terrible. Like, the reviews oh, were wow. like, like, people really did not like the Shawshank Redemption when it came out. Mm, that's fascinating. Because um, I've always loved it. Yeah. It's one of those movies, I've, I've, I'm terrible. I've read the book, but I've not actually sat down to watch the movie yet. It's, it's terrible. I mean, I think I've done it once. 
and uh-huh. that was when I was a teenager, and I, it wasn't my choice. It was my friend's choice, and we watched it. And I think that's probably why I wasn't paying attention. But I read the book, mm-hmm. and I love the book. So, what's your top favorite, th- uh, top three favorite films? Uh, for entrepreneurial people, I would go with Limitless. Yeah, uh, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro, classic, good movie. Um, the Godfather, just simply because it's so well written. It's such a great book. It's just beautiful the way that it's shot. They kept the old Italian in it. It's 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 a timeless movie. My third one, Zoolander. <laughs> I love I love that movie. Same. It's my feel-good movie. You will catch me doing blue steel. By the way, the next time I see you, I'm greeting you with a blue steel. That, that is the, that's the only way I'm greeting you from now on. I shall greet you with a blue steel as well. Yeah. But I love that movie just simply because it's one of my... Um, it, it's become one of those movies that when I'm having a really shit day, if I need to turn that day around, I'll just throw on Zoolander and watch that for two hours. Yeah. And I know the words to it. It's one of those movies I know all the words to. I just enjoy. Uh, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, so like I'd say Limitless for inspiration, Godfather for good story, and Zoolander just to make you feel good. So those Lovely. are three for me. So my question now lies, and by the way, this is just because I really, so you might want to get your Audible uh, app up or your books up because this is one of those for you. We're going to go with seven recommendations that you that you would recommend that someone should read like these are the seven books that you're like you know what i want you to read these these are the books i would give you to make the rest of the to make the year like good for you like this will help you okay so stillness is key we've already mentioned um i haven't finished it but the start of it really captivated me straight i'm not counting that i'm saying there's seven others that one's already a given um okay um so anything by robin sharma um, the leader who had no title has got a really good, um, a good meaning, a good, yeah, a good, there's a good story behind that. Um, so I love that. Um, Jack Canfield, The Success Principles. I got a lot out of that. Probably my favorite book, actually, um, which is high, high praise, I guess, from all the ones over the years, but Secrets of a Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. Classic. Uh, that one, yeah, that one I, I loved um, when I when I read that and I've read again since. Um, Brendan Burchard, uh, High Performance Habits, um, a, another really good one. I'm a big fan of Rob Moore and I know we had Rob on the other day, so I've got to mention um, I'm Worth More is great, Money is great. Um, and I guess uh, another book which... I think everybody should read would, and I don't know if this must take me to about seven is a key guy, oh. which is a, a wonderful book about uh, a key guy, which is a word we don't have in uh, outside of Japanese. And oh, it, Ikigai. Yeah. So that's the one. Sorry. I've, I've heard it pronounced differently. So I was trying to say, wait, yes, uh, that book, please Wonder- continue. Wonderful. Um, great book. You know, it, it's about this, this idea that having something above and beyond everyday life, a reason for being, so, and it comes down to sort of community, culture, helping your fellow man, um, is fantastic for longevity and a healthy, happy life. So that one's definitely worth investing. It's just a, it's a short book as well, so you know, it won't take long to get through it, but it's a good one. Oh, that's excellent. Great book recommendations. 
and I definitely need to go through that. One of the ones that I'd recommend uh, is Tools. Okay. I think it's like, I think it's called Five Tools or Tools. I'm just going to quickly search for it. Uh, goodness, it's a red book cover and it's going to bug me now. It's, hold on, uh, Tools. Not Tools of Titans. No, that's a great book as well, but like it's yeah. it's not the one that I was looking at. It's uh, Tools 5. I'm just going to put it out there because it's quite, um, it's one of those very strange books I've, I've got a cop I've got two copies of because apparently I bought two versions of it, not realizing I already owned it. Um, <laughs> please tell me I'm not the only one that's done that. It's like, I'm going to buy this book that I already own. Yeah, no, I've done, I've done that before. I guess I could, I, I guess I should probably mention as well that the person that got me into personal development was Daniel Priestley. Oh, and he, really? Yeah, so it was his first book that I read that made, me, that made me think, ooh, hang on a minute. Um, Key Person of Influence wasn't his first one, was it, I don't think? Um, no, I, I, I thought it was, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, re I've read all of them since then and met, met him a couple of times. He's a, he's a great guy, uh, so I'd highly recommend those as well. That's pretty cool. Okay, so I can't find this book. I'll post it in the show notes once I find this and have searched through all my book collection. Um, but one last thing before we actually wrap today, I did want to actually ask you um, a very personal question in a sense, because I know we've discussed it almost throughout this entire show, but actually it's two questions. So we're gonna, the first question I'm going to ask you is, actually, no, we answered that. Sorry, this is where my brain kind of goes, did we answer that? We did answer that. It was about <laughs> movement and how you can move. So that's we've de we definitely have done that. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask this other question that's an offshoot of it. How much exercise and how much movement should a person actually be getting if they sit on or they sit down all day like if that's the thing they have to be at their desk how much like what time limit is it they take 90 minutes sitting down and take a 20 minute walk or a 10 minute walk and a stretch or is it so different so we're trying to stick to the 50 10 rule so out of every hour trying to spend 10 minutes moving around and that's a really good principle to live by in terms of general general movement um and that's kind of what you're working towards it doesn't mean you have to do it all the time the human body is inherently very very strong and it can handle sitting down for periods you just don't want to be doing that all the time day in day out so if you go to the theater you don't have to get up you know three times to stretch your legs for 30 minutes um if it's you know over three hours long if you're going on a long car journey and you don't do long car journeys all the time well you don't need to stop all the time because it would take you forever to get there but if it's on a daily basis try and stick to the 50 10 rule the from a, a moderate activity point of view the government guidelines currently say we should all be aiming for about 150 minutes of um, moderate exercise but just like the guidelines for healthy eating where you know we're supposed to eat our five a day uh, five a day is just what they thought people would be able to get behind we should actually be eating eight or nine and the 150 minutes of moderate exercise is the same really you want to be doubling that if you want to be super healthy uh, however the powers that be decided if we told everyone they needed to do 300 minutes and nobody would achieve it. Yeah, which I find really strange because if you kind of like, like one of the easiest ways around that is legislation. You can legislate that basically every workforce has to incorporate 300 minutes worth of um, 
exercise meeting time. So your meetings are now walking meetings. It's basically how it is. You're tell- I reckon that would be a thing that will be mandated and people would actually be able to get use of. They won't, but it'll be interesting to see how we work out. Walking walk meetings you know, will become a, a bigger and bigger thing without a doubt. They tend to be more productive. They're not as wasteful. You don't spend the first 10 minutes chatting about how everyone's, you know, days being, what the weekend was like. The, the last 20 minutes isn't just, you know, talking about things that aren't specific to that meeting. They tend to be a bit more focused. So they can be really useful um, and valuable tool in all of our toolboxes at work. Agreed. Very much agreed there. Now, my favorite question is coming up, and this is it. The question is quite simply this. When life hit you and knocked you down and knocked your confidence for six, because we've all been there, what is it that you've done in the past and what is it that you do today to ensure that you can get back onto your feet in the quickest, shortest space of time? Um, so I, 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 think I mentioned it earlier on, but in, in every situation there is always a positive. And that's definitely how I live my life. So um, earlier this year, we lost a contract, which was actually worth 70% of our business. So, you know, I guess if that happens to anyone's business, then potentially that's going to be a problem. But I said to to my wife, I'm going to replace that in six months uh, and actually replace it in four. Um, and And it came out of rather than dwelling on the issue rather than dwelling on the problem and feeling sorry for myself that it took us 12 years to grow that much and it all got taken away um it was actually well actually what are the positives and the positives were i had a lot more free time um our staff had a lot of extra resource that then mean we meant we could focus on other things and actually it meant we smashed our targets and, and we've grown so it, it was looking for a positive in a negative on a on a personal level um as you know, you know, I, I love pushing myself and I love getting out, climbing mountains. And whenever I get to that physical state where I can't, when I think I can't go any further, I always think of my family. I always think I don't want to go home and tell my kids that I didn't get to the top. And having that real powerful why, having that, that powerful reason that I want to teach my kids they can do anything um, always, always makes me keep going. Makes me put one foot in front of the other, and luckily, I've I've always succeeded in everything I've tried so far. That is powerful, and I'm I'm gra- I'm glad to hear that because just that drive alone changes a lot of the way that we think, and it's it's very powerful. So, guys, if you have any uh, questions, thoughts, processes, ideas, reach out to Ross. He's super easy to talk to. He's really smart. And by the way, if you're definitely in the if you're in the industry. Um, hit him up. He's, he's always happy to chat. Always happy to chat to anybody. Yeah, definitely. Ross, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate um, you being here and actually taking the time and sharing all your information with us. Guys, please go check out therapydirect-uk.com and that's a little hyphen, um, uk.com. Links in the description as always. And as Ross has given us such incredible tips ideas books and resources please go use every single one of them as always please like subscribe share uh and you know pass the show on to people that you know would be absolutely a great fit for it if you want to be part of the show email me through the website and as always guys i've been your host of the most adam marcy and 
Goodbye. Have an amazing day and have a great weekend.